The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Hal Schurz. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. It's good to be back behind the microphone. I've been away for a bit of time, but we are here today um, in the Doctor's Lounge. The Doctor's Lounge is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country. The Docs for Patient Care Foctation is dedicated to the doctor-patient relationship and to healthcare freedom for all Americans. And this is what our um, our uh, foundation is all about, what our show is all about. And uh, I thank you for being back with us, sticking with us, and uh, and I know that uh, I've had a couple of uh, guest hosts come in. For me, when I was uh, away at meetings, unfortunately, um, uh, our primary job is taking care of patients, and sometimes that interferes with our ability to do the things that we like to do on the side, which is this show. And it's my pleasure; it's one of my delights. I love getting behind the microphone and talking to everybody about the issues that are important in healthcare. And I thank you for being one of the thousands of listeners every week that downloads our podcast. And I'm um, uh, going to try to uh, keep things interesting in 2023. But before I talk about today's topic, which is going to be the un... Um, uh, I guess it will be the unmuzzling of um, medical dissent in the U.S., which we're seeing happen. I want to share with you some some uh, uh, personal things that uh, I think are important for you as listeners to the show to hear about. And so I thank you in advance for indulging me. Um, I have not been behind the microphone since our uh, um direct primary care conference in Dallas in November. And that conference was just amazing. You've heard me plug that conference for several months prior to the conference itself, trying to drum up business support, interest in the conference. And although it was not as well attended as some of our other conferences in the past, it was more intimate and it was really a breath of fresh air. And I'll share with you why that is. Um, we had over a hundred people, doctors, who there were, there were about 170 people at the conference, but there were about a hundred plus doctors who were um, uh, delivering direct primary care or thinking about delivering direct primary care. 90% of the doctors in that room were newbies. They were first-timers. They had heard about the conference. They heard good things about previous conferences. They are trying to establish a direct primary care practice or they're thinking about getting into direct primary care and I'm not going to explain direct primary care 
today for those of you who have not heard about it. You can read about it on our website at d4pcfoundation.org. I've talked about it for years, so the regular listeners know about direct primary care. But the people who were at this conference were they were at a crossroads in their life. They didn't know what they wanted to do with their careers, and they were convinced that working for a hospital or working for um, an entity other than themselves and their patients was not a good idea, and they wanted validation, they wanted direction and support and help so that they could achieve what they thought would be a good career path. And this conference provided that for them. It gave them um, the the knowledge and the, um, the background and the support to encourage them to go ahead and um, make the plunge and, and uh, not work for somebody else and not work for insurance companies, but work for themselves and work for their patients. And the people came out of this conference just so inspired. There was so much energy. It reminded me of the very first direct primary care conference that we did, gosh, eight years ago. And um, this was this was just spectacular. It was um, it, it reminded me why we do what we do. And watching young people asking questions and just soaking up the knowledge of people who preceded them and watching them um, uh, engage with others. We did at this conference for the first time uh, a hands-on labs with specialists where they could get the primary care doctors could get skills um uh, uh this was uh, these were skill labs where they could learn how to do certain uh, procedures or get uh, tips on how to do things in their offices that would ordinarily be just farmed out by an internist who really had no time to do this in their practice and i was teaching a suture lab and it was in a wound care lab and the the feedback that i got was just so just so gratifying it was so great people were coming up to me thanking me and telling me how how great that it was that we were teaching them how to do this or reinforcing how to do it a few of them knew how to do uh, suturing really well but f- most of them hadn't done this in years or they were afraid to do it. They do it reluctantly. And, and I was able to give them the confidence that they needed so that they could uh, go back home and, and tackle simple things that they should be doing in their office. And it was great. I, I mean, I really, I, I think that this, this is why we do what we do. This is why Docs for Patient Care does what they do. And, and I, um, and I want to um, tell you that the it, with doctors out there, the enthusiasm is of doctors is being squashed, and 
direct primary care is rekindling that enthusiasm. And I'll talk about that in a second. But what I really want to do, and and thank you again for indulging me about this, uh, sticking with me and listening to this. Um, right now, Docs for Patient Care is in, in it's on life support. And um, our our grants that we have had in the past have dried up. They've um, the the whole the whole philanthropic community is tightening their belts, and it's very difficult to get the kind of support that uh, an organization needs to be able to run on a regular basis. For docs for patient care, those the running of of the organization means being able to. Um, engage with um, partners out there and and travel and go to Washington and go to state capitals and and lobby for direct primary care or for other issues that docs for patient care takes on um, it means being able to pay for uh, amicus briefs that we're asked to participate in um, in lawsuits um, to uh, challenge the the um the leftists who are trying to destroy our healthcare system in this country and it means doing this radio show this radio show is is um uh downloaded i'm told maybe up to 75,000 times a month and there's a huge a uh, huge audience out there who who uh finds what we talk about important Interesting, informative, and um, that that can very well come to an end without your help. Um, I want to um, publicly uh, thank the producer of this show, the owner of the um, of the station, David Moxley, who believes in this show and believes how important it is for uh, the voices of independent doctors to get out to the public. To inform them about what's going on in healthcare, and, and he is um, allowing this show to go on despite the fact that Docs for Patient Care cannot right now afford to do this, and that is um, so much appreciated by our organization and hopefully by all of you who listen to this show. But we need your help. It's it's really. Um, Impossible to run an organization that does the things that we do without the financial support of the community. And you're the community. You're the ones who are listening to us and are part of our, our family, part of our team, the ones who really are benefiting from hearing this. And if you are listening to this show right now live, you're on your computer, you can go to the website, d4pcfoundation.org. If you click on that, you'll see several areas to donate to. One of them is the Felicia Horton uh, page, our former, our late executive director, who um, we dearly miss, who was the, the lifeblood of our organization, and we... if not for anything else, owe it to her to keep this organization going because she she um, gave everything 
um, to make sure that our organization survived, including foregoing salary for, I think, the last two years of her life. So it's, I think, uh, important to honor her and go to our our uh, website and um, give whatever you can. It is a tax deductible donation for those of you who pay taxes. And I suspect that most of the people listening to this podcast are taxpayers. So it's um, a donation, a tax deductible donation. And at this time of year, at the end of year, where um, people are looking to um, uh, help out their tax situation, um, this is a, a great cause to give to and uh support us and support the work that we're doing because we're working for you. And if you um, go to the website, um, you'll also see uh, a tab about our um, uh, just held conference, which uh, is uh, uh, in production, the video is, and you'll see how much enthusiasm there was at this conference and how great it was. But but I just, I'm not going to spend much more time on, on this subject. But I mentioned that, um, the, the conference that we had, um, really, uh, supported people who had, uh, a desire to work for themselves. And, um, and the enthusiasm of doctors in, in America is being squashed. Um, and it's it's not just doctors who are affected when this happens it's patients it's you who are who are the victims you're the ones who suffer when doctors no longer are working for themselves and for you or who lose the the drive the enthusiasm to take care of you i was talking with um a senior level um, management person in one of the um, major hospital systems in Atlanta um, just the other day. And we were talking about the attitude of another hospital system in this city where they believe that private practice doctors should not exist and that the hospitals should control the um the healthcare from soup to nuts including the doctors and the 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 um the uh senior level administrator i was talking to thought that that was nuts that was crazy talk because he believes that hospitals can't deliver healthcare it's doctors who deliver healthcare you know what makes me crazy I, I see commercials from some of these hospital chains that are reaching out to people and telling them how great their their hospital is, how their hospital is saving people, or their hospital is taking care of this problem or that problem. Well, that is nonsense because a hospital is a building. A hospital is a hotel, a medical hotel. A hospital does not take care of people, and hospital administrators don't know squat about taking care of patients. It's doctors who take care of patients. It's doctors who are the lifeblood of hospitals. 
And the hospitals that partner with doctors, that recognize that, that allow doctors to be doctors, allow them the autonomy to be able to take care of you and to take care of um, uh, the problems that you are having without interference from a hospital or from a private equity group that would own a, a, a practice. And that's what we need to rekindle. That's what direct primary care is all about. That's the foundation of American health care, a doctor taking care of a patient. And if you support the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, we will be out there fighting for the doctors. We'll be out there fighting for the patients. We will be preserving physician autonomy. And yes, we will be restoring doctors' mental health because I've come to realize that that is absolutely mission critical for doctors to be able to take care of patients adequately. If doctors' mental health is suffering, you suffer. And I really did not appreciate that until recently, sadly to say. But but now now I, I see the light, how important that is, what what a fundamental issue that is for your health care, for your doctors to be healthy mentally in order for them to be able to adequately take care of you. And so that is going to be, in 2023, a major thrust, a major issue for the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. The mental health of doctors and the autonomy of doctors go hand in hand. It's all tied together. And that's, and that's the, the message I want to leave you with on this topic. And, uh, once again, I want to thank everybody who supports this show by listening to it, but that's not enough. And, um, we really need your help more than ever if you want us to survive. And I'm not blowing smoke. This is, this is a real five alarm fire because where there is smoke, there is fire and, and we need your help. All right. So let's get on with what I want to talk to you about today, which is the, um, unmuzzling of, uh, um, health of dissent in healthcare. Why is this happening? Well, it's happening in large part because of Elon Musk. Yes, Elon Musk. Now, I'm not sure about him. I, I, I really don't know what to make of him. I'm not sure if his motives are pure, but he sure as heck is shaking up Washington and the Democratic Party and the elites and the FBI and the media. He is, he is now public enemy number one. And I, uh, you know, this is, this is, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, 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 the horse is out of the barn now with information that 
the social media companies have hidden information from the American public. They have manipulated uh, information. They have worked in cahoots with the um, White House, with the Democratic Party, with the um, with the uh, mainstream media, with the uh, Justice Department, the FBI, the other intelligence um, apparatus in the in the United States, and who knows where else. This is just the tip of the iceberg. We're just finding out about this just from Twitter. This is this is one of the social media companies. We don't even know how bad it is at Facebook or their parent company Meta or Alphabet or their which which is Google and uh, Instagram. The the things that are going on there are probably far worse than what we're hearing about on Twitter. And yet this information dump from Twitter is exposing the um, the conspiracy that has been perpetrated against the conservatives in America. It's really interesting how the left now has turned on one of their darlings because he dared to support the First Amendment. When you are not a hundred percent in lockstep with the left, you are their enemy. You can be ninety percent on their team, and if you disagree with one of their tenants, they will throw you under the bus and declare war on you. Elon Musk did not like the fact that free speech was being muzzled. He did not appreciate that dissenting voices were no longer welcome in this country. That's anti-American. That is fundamentally against everything that our country stands for, what people fought fought wars to protect. And what happens in totalitarian fascist regimes is what has happened in the United States. Elon Musk did not like that. And he felt strongly enough about this to risk his personal fortune to put an end to it. Now, he's a businessman. There's no question he's a businessman. And I'm sure that he sees a way to capitalize financially from what he's done. Nobody puts up $44 billion to um, just make a point. And that's why I'm not sure about Elon Musk. But my hat is off to him because without the the um, 
the the steps that he has taken, the things that he has done, none of this would be coming out right now. And we would be one step further towards fascism in the United States. And I really hate using that word, but that's what it is. And that's a that's a key element of fascists to label what the opponents their opponents say about them as things that they are or things that they do and turn it around and we've seen that time and time and time and time again with the democratic party who is really the the communist party the socialist party the marxist party and yes now clearly the fascist party and they cannot afford to allow dissenting opinions because once there's dissenting opinions then their plans will fall apart when people know when the light of truth is shown on them and so if they can keep that hidden until it's too late then they've achieved their goal and we've seen that over and over in history you don't have to go too far back to see how that's happened and Elon Musk has recognized that and he has said no we can't allow that to happen in the United States enough is enough and here we are with Twitter with the release of information and how is he doing this well he's doing it in bits and pieces and that's why I'm not so sure about what this is about he is either got an, an agenda that we don't know about, or he is an incredible genius, and we don't know why he's doing it, what what genius is behind the way that he is releasing the information and to whom he is releasing it. Um, you know, he is clearly a genius. Anybody who can create a car company that everybody is now driving in in this country or create a space program because the United States decided to drop the ball on that and let our adversaries take the lead, this is a genius. The left is making a big deal about him owning Twitter how could how could that be possible? How could we let a billionaire control the narrative on such an important um, avenue of information? This is this is this cannot be tolerated. I didn't hear them say that when Jeff Bezos took over the Washington Post. And the difference is that Jeff Bezos is on their team. He agrees 100% with everything that the left goes with. Elon Musk, he may be an 80%er. And that's not good enough for, for the fascists, for the left. So he no longer is on their team. He is persona non grata and needs to be destroyed. He's releasing this information to, to, um, 
to to actually liberals to Matt Taibbi, Taibbi and Barry Weiss, um, who are both very very liberal, but they're classic liberals. They're not leftists, and they believe in the First Amendment. And so, by releasing this information to them, it makes the information more credible rather than just an information dump and letting the left twist this around the way that they always twist around information that they they want. But the left is ignoring this. All of the mainstream media outlets are devoting zero time, zero um, uh, minutes on air to talking about this. And they're trying to do what they've done with every issue that they know that they're wrong on when it's come to light, which is to ignore it and hope that the masses of people in this country don't know better. They don't, they don't hear about it on their mainstream media, so it doesn't exist to them. I'm going to talk about medical stuff and how this really, um, pertains, this, this data release from Twitter pertains to, to, uh, what's happening medically in this country and share with you something from, uh, Congressman Jim Jordan when we get back in the next segment. So please stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org, and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Thanks for sticking with us in the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Hal Schurz, your host, and delighted to be back here um, giving you the the news, the information that pertains to health care. We're talking today about Twitter and the impact that they have made on um opening up conversation that has been muzzled, that's been squelched for the past several years at least. Um, so th- this is a big story, the the release of this information by Twitter, by Elon Musk. But the networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, um the New York Times, Washington Post, they've devoted no time 
to this issue about the collusion between the government, social media, the the law enforcement in this country, the um, the intelligence community, and haven't hasn't media learned that information cannot be suppressed forever, that it will get out. What are they going to look like when that happens? Because it's, information is going to be out there. It's going to get out there. They can't help but cover it when the next Congress is is run by Republicans who want answers to this. And they can ignore it all they want, but at some point, this information is going to come out, and they're going to be laughing stocks. They're going to be looking like the the political or the the propaganda arm of the Democratic Party, which they are, which is not what they, I don't think, want to do publicly, at least, and and they will be even weaker and worse than they already are. Um. The on the medical side, let's 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 kind of get to that. Twitter, as well as all the other social media outlets, uh, decided that they were going to uh, suppress any any kind of dissent about COVID, and um, if you were critical of the position of the government on any of their policies, whether it was shutdowns or masking or vaccinations, whatever it was, if you questioned it, not, not even denounced it, but just questioned it, that was considered treason. That was considered sedition. And the government called it misinformation and disinformation. It was negative to the government narrative. And the government made it clear to social media companies that they couldn't permit people who were saying such things, writing such things, to be able to get that message out to people. It was dangerous, misinformation, disinformation. And so what happened? The social media companies, they caved to the pressure of the federal government, of the people who were in cahoots with them, using the the power of the federal government of law enforcement the FBI and other law enforcement using social media to crack down on any dissent on social media what it meant was that platforms where people were used to getting information from people who were knowledgeable were no longer seeing that information because these social media platforms deplatformed 
these very credible people. And whom am I talking about? I'm talking about Robert Malone, who developed the mRNA technology that was the basis of these shots. He was questioning whether or not this was appropriate, whether or not this was the right place to be using them and question the safety and the efficacy of these shots. And I am not calling them vaccines or vaccinations because they are not. Vaccination is a is developed from using a pathogen and utilizing that pathogen to create a reaction in a in a host in a person to that will ward off that pathogen introducing it in a small amount or in an attenuated which means dead form so that your body can mount a response. That's a vaccine or vaccination. Long history of that. Vaccinations are great. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm, I'm so pro-vaccination, it's not funny. This is not a vaccine. This is gene therapy. And this is what the government was pushing. And Robert Malone, the developer of mRNA, did not think that this was was appropriate, at least not with more testing. He thought it was potentially dangerous, but he was not allowed to say that because it undermined the message of the federal apparatus. Peter McCullough, cardiologist, vice chief of internal medicine at Baylor Medical Center, not a schlock place. This is a guy who is incredibly published, very well respected. He felt that masking and shutdowns were absurd, that this made no sense. This is not what you do when you have a vax, a, um, of a, a pathogen in the community. You can isolate people at risk, but complete shutdowns? No way. Or, Masking, he recognized that these masks did nothing, and yet every every um, time that he would say something negative, he was criticized. He was denigrated until they finally deplatformed him. Jay Bhattacharya, professor of internal medicine. Stanford University was critical of the the muzzling of doctors, of experts who had things to say about what was happening in COVID and was a, a, a staunch detractor of these terms disinformation and misinformation who called what was going on in this country scientific clerisy. You know what that means? Clerisy? It's like what's happening in Iran with the clerics who 
only recognize their their um, one fundamentalist view on a, a, a topic on a subject. Their subject is is Islam and religion and their interpretation. Well, in this country, there was only one interpretation of of science and medicine and healthcare, and that was the message that was being. Um, purported by the federal government and their apparatchniks. And Dr. Bhattacharya was very critical of that. They deplatformed him. All the voices that were coming out critical of what was happening were silenced. And the only voices that were were being heard were those in support of the of the government position the government position being what was being orchestrated by the chief doctor of this whole apparatchnik or apparatus and that was tony fauci and the twitter files which will soon be released and are being teased by Elon Musk, will contain information that will be very damaging to to Fauci, who's been elevated to sainthood by the by the left, but really should be actually held responsible in large part for what has happened in this country and around the world and has led to the deaths of millions of people and over a million Americans. And he is, he should be charged, if not held in contempt and held responsible for malpractice, medical malpractice and and political malpractice, I'm going to play for you something that is really important. I'm hoping that you'll hear this. And just to underscore how... Um, here it here, let is. Me, to underscore what the, 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 the extent to which Tony Fauci has, has lied to the American public and is responsible for so much of what's happened and the people who were critical about him were the were the crazy people. The people who had to say things that were that were um negative about him were spreading disinformation and misinformation because as Tony Fauci told us on one of the talk shows, he is science. This this is really you know has gone so so off the rails, and we need to shine the light of truth on this. And fortunately, in the next Congress, this is what will happen, and the Republicans who are going to be the chair people of the committees in charge of finding out answers to all the things that have happened over the last three years will be. Raising these questions, I don't know if anybody will be held responsible, but at least the American public will get the truth instead of the lies that are, have been happening because of the censoring on, on, on the social media platforms and the 
ignoring of information on mainstream media. Let me play for you the couple of minutes of of uh, of Rep- uh, Representative Jim Jordan uh, on the Select Committee um, on uh, investigating COVID, which which he will be chairing. And uh, he was talking specifically about Tony Fauci. So listen to this, and then we'll come back to this. Preparing and uh, preparing for and preventing the next public health emergency. Lessons learned from the coronavirus crisis. Lessons learned. I think the key lesson learned is that Dr. Fauci misled the country, and he did so right from the get-go. By February 1st, 2020, Dr. Fauci knew seven fundamental facts represented by the first seven posters behind me. Seven fundamental facts that he did not share with the American people. First, he understood that American tax dollars went to EcoHealth and that money was then funneled to a lab in Wuhan, China. Second, he knew EcoHealth was given an exemption from the pause on gain-of-function research. Third... The security standards at this lab in China were deficient. Fourth, Dr. Fauci knew that EcoHealth was not in compliance with their grant reporting requirements. They weren't adhering to the contract. Fifth, gain-of-function research was, in fact, being conducted in the lab in Wuhan, China. Sixth, the P3CO interagency review process wasn't followed in approving the grant to EcoHealth. And finally, seven... Dr. Fauci likely knew, let me say it the other way, Dr. Fauci knew that the virus likely came from the lab that our money was sent to. So think about it. American tax dollars went to a company that wasn't properly vetted, that didn't comply with its contract, who sent that money to a lab in China that wasn't up to code and was doing gain-of-function research. And what happens? The very city where that lab is at, a deadly virus breaks out, a deadly virus that would ultimately kill 6 million people around the world. And what did Dr. Fauci do when he had this information, again, February 1st, 2020? What did he do with this information? Did he tell the President of the United States? Did he go to the the Commander-in-Chief and said, hey, we got a deadly virus that's broken out in China, in Wuhan, where we've been sending American tax dollars to a lab that's not up to code, that's doing gain-of-function. Did he tell the President of the United States? Didn't tell the President. Did he tell the chief of staff? You know, maybe he thought, you know what, I don't want to take this bad news to the commander in chief. Maybe I'll give it to the chief of staff. I know he'll tell him. He talks to him every day. Did he tell the chief of staff? Didn't tell him either. How about the experts in our government? Did he tell, did he tell his boss? Did he tell Secretary Azar? Did he tell Dr. Redfield, Dr. Burks? Did he tell Dr. Girard, one of our witnesses today? didn't tell any of them either no what he did instead was organize a conference call february 1st 2020 2 p.m with him mr collins and 11 virologists from around the world who he had been handing out american tax dollars to for years and years and years and on that call it's interesting on that call are a couple virologists dr gary christian anderson 
who had said things like this. Here's what Christian Anderson said. Virus looks engineered. Virus not consistent with evolutionary theory. He said that on January 31st, the day before. Dr. Gary said on February 1st, that very day they had the conference call. I don't know how this gets done in nature, but it would be easy to do in a lab. They all get on this conference call. They get their story straight. And three days later, the very people who said this thing came from a lab change their tune and say that anyone who thinks that's crazy. Wow, that's a dramatic change in a matter of days. And the only real intervening event was this conference call that Dr. Fauci organizes. You know, it's bad enough when you have the truth and you don't share it. But what's worse is when you have the truth and you say things that directly contradict it. Dr. Fauci told us over the last several years, it wasn't our tax dollars. Yes, it was. Right there's the grant to EcoHealth. He told us it wasn't gain of function. How about this email from NIAD, uh, excuse me, from uh, Mr. Dazic, the head of EcoHealth to NIAD, where he says, Dear Jenny, this is terrific. We are happy to hear that our gain of function research funding pause has been lifted. Dr. Fauci told us it wasn't a lab leak. Sure looks like it was. Sure looks like it was. And the people he's been handing out the money to, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Gary, said it was. And that's not to mention all the other crazy things he's told us. The vaccinated can't get it. The vaccinated can't transmit it. Boy, he was he was wrong about those. He told us that masks work. He told us that there was no such thing as natural immunity when it came to this virus. All kinds of things he told us are all. So the lessons we learned is... You can't trust some of the folks who were supposed to be giving us accurate information because they sure didn't. And they knew from the get-go. They knew from the start. So I look forward to hearing from our witnesses. Look forward to seeing exactly what's in this report. That We didn't get into any of this. We didn't get into any of this. The chairman mentioned we can't look backwards. What we sure should look backwards because if you got a government not giving it to you straight... That's something that you have to make sure we understand so it doesn't happen again. Not only if we don't want a terrible virus happening again, we don't want the government misleading us about a virus that could happen. Giving it to you straight, that's something that you have to make sure we understand so it doesn't happen again. Not only if we don't want a terrible virus happening again, we don't want the government misleading us about a virus that could happen. So I, uh, that was that was Jim Jordan in Congress yesterday and... Um, it gets it's worse than that. I mean, Fauci not only knew and misled the country about the origins, but then he misled the country about the um, about the vaccination or the the shots. Why? Because he is compromised. I, I said this on previous show that the that. Um, uh, 18,000 people who worked for the um, National Institute of Health over a 10-year period received over $350 million from the pharmaceutical industry and the biotech industry. And he's in bed with them. You don't think that, that the lion's share of that money went to the director, to the head of the NIH, to, to Tony Fauci, you, you'd, be, you'd be a fool to think otherwise. So he was conflicted in not only telling us that, there, that the, the shots were necessary 
to save millions of lives, to prevent the virus, to prevent transmission. But he also was conflicted in trying to um, put down any kind of attempts to look at ways to um, f- to treat the disease, therapeutics, the hydroxychloroquine or the ivermectin or any of the other really benign um, uh, treatments that were not, you know, serious, um, seriously dangerous treatments or drugs. He was putting putting them down and calling people who advocated for them as as um, as nuts, as kooks, as charlatans, as people who should be losing the medical license. He's the one who should be losing his medical license. He's the one who was promoting a treatment that we have absolutely no knowledge of what that's going to look like in this in the next in the next decade to come what the what the repercussions of using an mrna shot is going to be on people and and their health we're already seeing crazy stuff that we never saw before in numbers that were never reported before and the only common thread is that they received the mrna shots so this is this is why Tony Fauci is probably the most dangerous doctor in America almost almost as bad as Dr. Kevorkian the doctor of death because what he has done in covering up the origins allowing it to occur by funding this research denying that it was even happening in Congress, in sworn testimony in Congress, where he said to Senator Rand Paul, a doctor who isn't isn't stupid, who understands medicine better than than ninety nine percent of the people in Congress, who. He was challenging Fauci on this was gain of function, and Fauci is telling him it's not. Well, Fauci clearly and deliberately lied to Congress. But will the FBI come and do a perp walk on him? Of course not, because he is already a saint in this country, and you can't you can't uh, hold a saint responsible, especially when the general counsel for Twitter, James Baker, just fired by Elon Musk, was also the general counsel for the FBI and responsible for suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop and the Russia collusion story. They're all in cahoots. And this is um, this is where we are right now, folks, in the U.S. Um, We've got to. Um, we've got to fight. We can't give up. And those of you who believe that, that, uh, the Republican Party is not the answer and we should give Democrats a chance 
have have seriously missed the boat on this because under their watch this is all happening and this is not this is not fake conspiracy this is proven conspiracy this is real and this is a, an an inside job on the um transformation of this country you heard one of our former presidents president obama brag about he how he was going to fundamentally change america well this is the fundamental change he was talking about and his people maybe even him are very much involved right now in the inner workings of our White House and our federal government and the insiders and the swamp. And the swamp occur it, it exists. And the um, when it comes to your health care, the left the left is not satisfied, by the way, with Biden. They are they're not. I've listened to a number of um, of podcasts and and uh, other um, uh, uh, information sessions that have been coming out of the of left outlets, and b- believe it or not, they are not happy with the um, the with the, what the Biden administration is doing. They think that they're not doing enough, and what do they want to see happen? They want to see socialized health care. They want to see that, and that's their goal. And what we are seeing right now in with the COVID is is part of that, and the muzzling of information from doctors to give this the straight scoop to patients. So that's where we're at, and uh, it's, I'm so glad to be back. And I want to remind everybody to please go to the Docs for Patient Care website, D for PC Foundation. Dot org and keep us alive by generate by donating generously. Scott will be here next week, and I'll be back in two weeks with uh, more on healthcare news. Thanks for being with us. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.